case if you are aiming for relentless performance this episode is for you in today's episode let us chat with steve klein on developing relentless performance this is the guiding voice podcast series the guiding voice for a better future folks i am your host navin samala just a fellow it professional with 19 years of work experience and we are on a mission to shape the careers and lives of millions across the globe through the guiding voice we help and enable successful leaders share their knowledge and wisdom with our audience so that you will acquire more knowledge by tuning into the guiding voice per every minute than any other podcast in this space thank you so much for joining me today and we are extremely pleased to have steve part of the guiding voice's journey in shaping the careers and lives of millions across the globe steve hearty welcome to the guiding voice and i'm well, super thanks. excited to have you part of today's conversation thank you anavin i'm looking forward to it all right yeah same here steve uh, let's get started without further ado and uh, steve maybe probably you can briefly talk about your career journey and top 3 things that have helped you to be successful in your professional life so far well real quickly i can tell you that uh, i was fired from my very first job out of college and that kind of directed me <clears throat> I'll talk to you a little bit more about it a little later directed me toward I am right where I am right now a big part of that was from developing processes and systems to follow so I could stay on track to achieve what I was focusing on and then the third and you mentioned it already is uh, really developing a an attitude of relentless performance which we'll we'll talk about more as the show goes on Sure perfect all right so let's now uh, talk about uh, some of the toughest lessons that you have learned in your entrepreneurship journey well one of the biggest ones was the fact that most people are not motivated people talk about motivation but they generally don't do as much as they could to make it happen there's always a, a small percentage that are able to do what they want to do. Along with that, I found out I was in that group that was very unmotivated. And it took that firing from that first job after college to help me realize I need to develop the motivation and that led me to a lot of things that we'll talk about today. Awesome. All right, so I'm looking forward to it. Now let's quickly jump into today's topic. What in your opinion is relentless performance? Relentless performance is actually not quitting, not giving up, and doing something I call eating nails for breakfast and bouncing back. It's the ability to stick with it no matter how bad things are going. As I mentioned just a moment ago that I found that most people are not very motivated. For the average person or maybe a below average, when they're hit with an obstacle, a big obstacle, they tend to back away and and think to themselves well maybe this wasn't right this wasn't for me the key to all success is learning and learning from that failure if we didn't have failure we wouldn't have the opportunity to learn and it goes back to the typical young child baby that is learning how to first crawl and then walk they fall over riding a bicycle we fall off the bicycle we have to experience the the bad things to achieve the positive things so the more that we fail and we've heard the story about uh, thomas edison uh having go to go through 10,000 different filaments to come up with the correct filament for the light bulb he just wouldn't quit and that's what relentless performance is really all about 
Wow, that's so profound. I loved uh, both the examples about the child uh, trying to walk while crawling and they tend to fall, but they get up. And also Thomas Alva Edison, in fact, uh, I really admire him. I worked for his company, General Electric, for about uh, 11 years. And whatever you mentioned, I can totally resonate with it. All right. Now, you mentioned about facing the obstacles and dealing with roadblocks, right? What kind of, uh, what are the road, roadblocks of this relentless performance, in your opinion? Uh, one of the biggest roadblocks for, for the average person, and, and I had this roadblock at the very beginning too, was not having a strong purpose. Uh, Simon Sinek uh, talks about, it all begins with why. Why are we doing this? What is our purpose? What is the reason why we're focusing on on achieving what we want to uh, achieve? And once we have a strong purpose, it becomes our guiding light. It becomes our major aim to do what we're doing. Then everything around us begins to attract us to it. One of the um, uh, things I learned a long time ago that our mind is a mental magnet that attracts to us that which we think about. So by having that strong purpose, everything we do on a daily basis, we do because it has a relationship to what that purpose is. By developing that purpose, we can blow away that roadblock. We may have failures, but one of those roadblocks is now is now gone. That's that's nice, uh, Steve. And now uh, let's talk about uh, the importance of uh, driving relentless performance in the organizations. It's it's important, especially in companies, because when we don't have relentless performance, when we give up, we create permanent failure. Now, there's nothing wrong with failure, as I mentioned with Thomas Edison or little children falling or falling off a bicycle. Well, we're going to have those things. We're going to trip and fall. We can never plan exactly what's going to happen. Things happen, and we have to deal with them. But it's it's that permanent failure that when we stop and don't do it. Relentless performance gives us ability, and in a few moments I'll talk about the five steps that I've developed to develop uh, relentless performance. But by doing those five key elements, we will. St- it's it's easier, let's say, to keep on track and achieve what we want to uh, get to. Doesn't man mean that we'll we'll get to where we want to be? But the chances of achieving what we want rise tremendously. Sometimes when we're working toward a goal or objective. We may not hit exactly what it's going to be. Uh, there's something called the tenth multiple that says if we take, for instance, a thousand dollars and double it ten times, by the tenth multiple we'll have a million. It basically says that success does not go like this. Success goes like this. It's very slowly, and we don't achieve that tremendous success until we're almost there. Wow, so profound. Now let's uh, jump into how to become relentless. Let's talk about the five-step framework. Good. That's uh, what I like talking about more than anything else. It's <laughs> it's the five keys that I was referring to either uh, earlier that uh, develop relentless performance. The first of those keys is to lock our sights. I talked about purpose a few moments ago. We need to develop what we want to accomplish so strongly. That's all we see. That's all we think about. We dream about it. And it gives us ideas. It gets us to where we want to go. Because once we're locked into our sights, it's almost like a horse with blinders on. That horse is going down the track, and it doesn't see all the other distractions on the side of the horse. 
That's what locking our sight says. We need to have that purpose and lock our sight. Number two is to stop thinking. Now, that's not to mean that we shouldn't think at all. It basically means going back to step number one, once we lock our sights, stop thinking and just do what you have to do to get to get there. Just make sure you do it. Don't think about it. Do it. As an example, uh, I get to the office at six in the morning and I have a whole list of things I do. Some of them I don't enjoy doing, but I know I have to get them done. I don't think about it. I just do it. Number three, relentless performance key number three is to own it, then own it. And what that means, we need to own it in our head. We need to have it there as if we have it already. As I mentioned before, our mind's a mental magnet that attracts to us what we're thinking about. Once we own it, as an example, let's say we want to uh, have a certain amount of net worth. Let's just use a million dollars as a net worth. What we do is we own it. We believe we have a million dollars. And then again, that attraction process becomes begins to uh, come to us. We, we, we live and breathe as actually there, we're there and we come up with the ideas to make it happen. Step number four I mentioned earlier, which is my favorite, which is eating nails for breakfast, which is really doing the hard stuff. It's doing the things that most people won't do. Uh, as I said, I get the office as early as six o'clock, and most people can't believe I, I get there that early because I wake up at four in the morning. Well, how can you do that? That's way too early. You just make a point and do it. You do the hard stuff. You eat nails for breakfast. And then relentless performance key number five is to continually bounce back. Every time we get knocked down, we have to be like a rubber ball, bounce back up again. We keep going no matter what happens. And the worst thing that can happen if we're laying on our deathbed is thinking, if only, if only I had done this, if only I had done that while I was younger. Let's not have that thought go our mind through our mind. Let's do what we want to do and simply make it happen. And those are the five keys. Excellent. Yeah. Can you share any other examples of eating nails for breakfast? I could relate to waking up at four o'clock and be in office by 6 a.m. That is rarely done by people, right? Likewise, do you have any other examples of doing the toughest things? Doing the toughest thing. Well, as an example, uh, sales. I do a lot of uh, sales training. And we can talk about that in just a few moments if we have some time. Uh, and I'd also do some leadership training, too. But talking about sales specifically, when I'm working with salespeople, most of them have been trained, but they haven't developed those five steps. Part of sales is doing the things that are generally not comfortable. We have to get out of our comfort zone. Matter of fact, I saw a quotation one time that said, life begins outside of our comfort zone. And when we're not comfortable, when we're doing something that it, it, it just doesn't feel right, we want to jump back in our comfort zone. But when we're not feeling right, that means that we're growing. So as an example of, of doing that in sales, it's making cold calls. Most people don't like making cold calls. I'm not a proponent of doing it unless you have to. If you have no other way of getting to a prospect, you need to make cold calls. The other part of it is tracking what you'd like to achieve, knowing exactly what the numbers are. When I ask salespeople, one of the questions I'll ask them is, what is your closing average? In other words, how many people have you sold out of the number of people you've seen? Well, I don't know. Maybe it's about where I'm not sure. No, no. Tell me what it is exactly. Most people don't keep track of their numbers. I call it correct, 
consistent daily activity, doing what you have to do and keeping score on what you want to keep score on. The other one is to do those numbers every single day. Uh, I used to talk about the fact that uh, I developed this program of correct, consistent daily activity, which gives point values to every activity we do. My point total that I needed to achieve every day was always 200 points. I could not go home from the office until I received my 200 points. Uh, as an example, I'd get one point for a phone call, uh, five points for referral, 10 points for an appointment, but I would stay on the phone until I had to do that. I never slept at the office. I was always able to get my 200 points. As a result of that, I worked with a company, and for seven years in a row, I was the number one salesperson. I was not the best salesperson, but I did the most activity, and I had that not uh, eating nails for breakfast and doing what you had to do. That is so inspiring, uh, Steve, and I love the 200 points example and all, yeah. Probably we can gamify our approach and make sure that we meet our daily targets to achieve this relentless performance. Uh, that's awesome. Now, uh, let us briefly talk about your book, Sell When You See the Whites of Their Eyes. First of all, how did you come up with that title and what is the book all about? Well, I've, since I have it right here, I'll, I'll show the book, Sell When You See the Whites of Their Eyes. I was attempting to come up with a, with a name uh, for the book, and I stole this this idea, not the exact words, but I stole the ideas from a friend of mine. And it's really being able to see the person. As an example, when we're when we're in a retail store, sometimes a clerk will walk up to us and they'll say, can I help you? Most people will say, no, just looking. At that moment, that customer put a shield up. You can't see their face. It's real hard to sell somebody when you can't see their eyes. Now, what a lot of salespeople do is they try to pull that down. And when they do, the customer pushes back back up again. The key to selling when you see their whites of their eyes is getting the customer to want to pull that shield down. Once they get it down, then you have the opportunity to sell. And one of the ways to do that, one of the key ways to do that, is asking the correct questions. For instance, if a, um, a clerk says, uh, can I help you? That's a closed-ended question. Most people are going to say no. But if they were asked something like, what type of computer are you looking for? What would you like to see it do for you? Then you begin a conversation and the customer pulls that shield down to make it happen. But the reason I, why I wrote the book, I mentioned earlier, I was fired from my first job out of college I was a, um, I worked for a radio station and I was a news director. My boss fired me after six weeks, but he offered me a job in sales. He did not give me any sales training. He gave me a list of people to call on and the price of the commercials. He said, go sell. Well, I believed in the product so much, I was able to make some sell, uh, some sales. But what I started doing was reading books on selling, reading books on success. And that was the beginning of the journey you had asked about earlier to where I began to develop relentless performance. And as a result, every place that I worked, including the one I talked about when I was number one seven times, I was a top salesperson because I had to do the things necessary to get to where I wanted to, uh, to go. And if we have time, I have one more story that I can tell about that experience. Okay. I had one, one prospect. And he was a big gentleman. He weighed about 350 pounds. 
he had a retail store. Half of the store was a pipe and cigar shop. The other half of the store was a bowling shop for bowling supplies. And he told me that he would never, ever buy any advertising from me. And the reason was two salespeople before me gave him a hard time and he swore he'd never do business with us again. But he was on Main Street and he was one of the people I called on. So I would see him once a week. I would buy cigars to smoke. There was nothing to do in the small town. So I joined a bowling league. I bought bowling supplies and he and I became good friends. I went to a chamber of commerce meeting one day and I heard a speaker speak and he was so motivated that I left that meeting and I went to this man and I proposed a solution uh, for radio advertising. He bought from me. About two weeks later, I asked him why, why he bought from me. He said, you didn't see the look in your eyes. He said, I was afraid to not buy from you. But that was because I was so focused on helping him and helping him become successful. No, oh, great example. And yeah, all the tips that you have shared, right? I think that makes real sense. Thank you for the wonderful insight so far. But uh, let's add some spice to the episode. If you are okay, I'm going to kick off a quick rapid fire round. All right, okay. let's do it. Uh, Steve, can you share your childhood fantasy with our audience? You know, I, I don't know if I had a real fantasy, but I used to watch uh, a lot of uh, shows on TV that had to do with law and order a long time ago before Law & Order started. And uh, I think my biggest fantasy at the time was to be an attorney like Perry Mason. My grandfather was an attorney, though he was a civil attorney. My father studied law. Uh, I worked for the police department for a short time when I was in college. And, and that was kind of my fantasy. I, I think looking back, the reason why I like that is, A, Perry Mason won every one of his cases, and that doesn't really happen. And B, when you are a criminal attorney, it's it's basically a sales position. You are selling the jury on why they should acquit that client. And so I guess that, that fantasy I had leads back to uh, what I do today. Wow, that's so nice. All right, uh, moving on to the next one. Can you share what is the best piece of advice that you have received so far? Believing in myself. And as I said, never, ever quitting. And the man that fired me from my first job, he and I really didn't get along really well. He was a very, very uh, strong taskmaster. But he and I became very good friends after I uh, left his, his employment. And he's the one that helped me realize I need to believe in me. And again, it comes back to relentless performance. You have to believe in yourself to be successful. Awesome. Now let's talk about one life-changing incident other than you getting fired in your first job. Share any incident that changed your perspective about life. There's a number of things that actually did that. Being fired was the first one. And the second one was realizing that I needed to succeed. Many of the time, many of the places I went to, a lot of people that knew me uh, would say to me, well, you're probably not going to have success. You're, you're making the wrong move. Uh, it's not going to work out for you. And I've had a lot of failures. Um, I've had, um, I was at one point I was in debt, $250,000 and I was told to file a file bankruptcy. I didn't, I paid it all off. Uh, I've had a house fire house didn't burn down, but it was a house fire. You, um, have broken uh, six bones. Now, part of that was because I was in martial arts and I got hit a number of times and I survived after that. There are certain things in my life that I've gone through them helped me realize that bad things happen. 
but you can learn from those. And again, it comes back to believing in myself. Awesome. That's great, actually, like to hear about uh, learning from failures and treating them as learning opportunities. <laughs> Now let's move to my next question. What would you do if you have superpowers? Superpowers. Well, uh, I guess the the people that I that I've thought about. Like, I mean, I watched a lot of TV when I was growing up. One of the TV shows was a TV show called Bewitched, where the the woman was a witch, and she would wiggle her nose, and she can go anywhere immediately. I'm a big proponent of using your time effectively, and if there is a way I could just wiggle my nose and get someplace real real quickly. Oh, I'd have so much more time and the ability to get more done. And then, or also being like Superman, because Superman was able, it was not his, his strength abilities, but he gets someplace very quickly because he could fly. So really a lot of has has to do with be able to do more in less time. That's quite interesting, actually. Your answer related to that, right, uh, about being a, at a particular place at the regular of a nose that is the common answer that i receive for my next question which is about the fantasy gadget so what will be your fantasy gadget or the technology that you would like to see or invent yourself well i basically answered that with the last question <laughs> if i could develop a box maybe even have an app for my for my my phone and push a button and it gets me to where i want to be right away <laughs> um it's almost like on uh on uh Star Trek beam me up Scotty where they just got beamed up to the to the ship or beamed down someplace else and again we have 24 hours a day and I do a lot in in uh, time management too which is uh, 83,600 seconds we use them or lose them and we want to get as much out of our time as possible and that's what successful people do so by having a little gadget that would allow me to go anywhere i wanted to almost instantaneously and reduce travel time <laughs> I, i guess the other gadget would be being able to um uh only have to sleep for five minutes and then i'd have uh, additional time too <laughs> i i see a lot of passion in you to do more and more by saving time <laughs> right all right that was an interesting rapid fire with that let's flip back to the mainstream and before i let you go one final question for today's conversation steve what will be your one piece of advice to those aspiring to make big in their careers or lives you can pick either of them uh i would i would help people understand that they can do what they want to do i'll go back a little bit farther in my life when i when i graduated high school i didn't know what i want to do i didn't want to work i didn't want to go in the military Uh, I was um, accepted by by three colleges, and I finally went to the one college closest to home, so I wouldn't have to drive very far. But I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had no idea, and and I was I ended up having two majors in college. One of them was speech communications, and one was uh, journalism, news broadcasting. And I, I would recommend for people to achieve what they want to have is beginning as young as they can be maybe in grade school junior high high school and definitely by college start taking courses to help you understand how to be successful read success books uh one of the classics obviously is think and grow rich by napoleon hill but there are lots of books out there where people can read the magic of believing the magic of thinking big by having a library of authors that can teach you what to do 
can help you get to where you want to be a lot quicker. That's fantastic. I think that's a profound advice. And thank you so much, Steve, for being part of today's conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. And also, those are some amazing tips that you have shared. And uh, really pleasure hosting you, Steve. Thank you, Naveen. Appreciate you having me on the show. All right. So pleasure to host you, Steve. And folks, before we move into the trivia section, here is a small request to you. In case if you haven't subscribed to us, please subscribe from the app where you have tuned in from. Also, if you have loved this episode, just like I did, request you to share with at least three of your friends or colleagues who can benefit from the guiding voice. Thank you so much in advance. Now let's jump into the trivia segment of today's episode. So today, Steve has shared a lot of uh, tips around relentless performance, apart from talking about the importance of relentless performance and all. Now let's take a step back and understand how these goal-oriented reviews have emerged. If you look into the history, these goal-oriented reviews emerged in the 60s. And in the 1960s, the belief that employees should be evaluated based on their ability to reach preset goals became widespread. And this idea, which is called as MBO, Management by Objective, had employees and their managers sit down and set goals together at the beginning of the year. And then the worker would be evaluated at the end of the year based on whether they had met their objectives. So that began in the 1960s. But fast forward 2020, most of the companies are moving away from this performance appraisal discussions and all. And few companies have started doing these appraisal discussions quite often, like once in a quarter, rather than waiting for the entire uh, financial year or the fiscal year to end. Likewise, we are going to see some emerging trends in the next few years, and which will be quite interesting to see how employees will be rated and reviewed on their performance. All right, so that's all for the trivia part. And... Um, Folks, before I let you go, I request you to share some uh, topic recommendations or speaker suggestions by reaching out to me through social media platforms or you can email me at theguidingvoiceforyou at gmail.com. Thank you so much in advance. And I'm your host, Navin Samala, just a fellow IT professional and a passionate learner on a mission to make a difference in the careers and lives of millions across the globe. Until next time, bye-bye. See you all in the next episode.